Hey everybody, welcome to the Build Your Team show. I am your host, Atiba, and today my special guest is Raj Kara from morebusiness.com. Now, Raj is a guy who has had the pleasure of building and exiting multiple businesses. He has built teams multiple times, and now he's taking all that he knows and packaging it up in a site called morebusiness.com and sharing it all with you for free. Because his goal is to help 250 business owners reach over a million dollars within their first five years. As always, we are brought to you by Client Attraction Pros. We make video fast, fun, and easy. It's time for you to start reaching your ideal customer using video. They are looking for you and we can make it super simple and easy for you. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Build Your Team. I am your host Atiba and today, I have got Raj Kara with me from morebusiness.com. Now, this is going to be super special because Raj is one of those people who's all about giving to you, the small business owner, because he has built several businesses and now is really dedicated himself to helping more small businesses grow. Raj, welcome, my friend. Atiba, thank you very much for having me on your show. I appreciate it, and I look forward to our conversation. Absolutely. It's, it's great. And I got to start here for everybody listening, because people listen from all over the world, mm -hmm. right? You are the closest guest physically to me that I've <laughs> ever had on the show. You're one of the few that I've been on where I could actually drive and we could have a beer together. That's so true. Maybe we'll do that too, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, we're not that far apart. And as a matter of fact, I spent my entire day in the city that you live in mm -hmm. yesterday. Okay. <laughs> and right. we went to the same university as well. That's we're right. We're we proud Maryland Terps. Yes. Our schools weren't total rivals in high school, but pretty close. Uh, but we're all friends now. Once you're a Terp, you're a Terp, right? Once you're a Terp, you're a Terp. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So let's go all the way back, though. Let's start there. And maybe not all the way back to college, or maybe, right? I want to go back and start with asking you this question. You've built several businesses. You've exited several businesses. Yeah. But you didn't do it by yourself. You can't. I mean, look, you can a little bit, but it's not going to be anything of scale. But there's this saying, you know, you have a business when you can go on vacation and come back and you still have a business. <laughs> right? Because yeah. one of the things that I think, well, I know it's a big struggle is how do you know when it's the time to hire your first person? How do you hire them and kind of you're trying to duplicate yourself, still manage your clients. So there's this concept of working on your business as opposed to working in your business, in your business, mm. meaning you're dealing with your clients. If you've got a product, you're packaging the orders, getting them out. If you've got a service business, you're talking to your clients to make sure that they're serviced the way they need to and are relying on your expertise and you've become a partner. 
Working on your business, though, that's how you build it up to scale it. And so that's what makes you attractive for someone else to come in and want to buy your company. And there's lots of processes that you need to set up in place to make that happen. Otherwise, what they're really doing is they're just buying you as a consultant. And it would be what we'd call an acquihire, which is they would just hire you as a consultant, give you a little bit of money, almost like it's a signing bonus, and then absorb you into their company. But if you really want to have some scale, then you get much higher multiples on your revenue and can really build something that just has a stronger impact. Yeah, that's awesome. And you mentioned something in there about when you have a business, it's about processes, right? Yes. And developing processes. Now, processes and people start to go together, Yeah. right? What comes first? Do you develop the processes or do you hire the people and tell them, hey, go figure out my process? So here's something I wish I'd have known when I started, and that is build your company to sell it. When you think of every action you take in your company, when you look at it from the lens of I'm building this to sell it, you start looking at everything differently. It's no longer, oh, I can just take care of this. I can take care of that. It's I need to actually hire somebody so that they can work on this stuff that is more uh, routine where you then have more time to do stuff that only you could do. And so I've had a professional coach for many years. I went through a program a dozen years when I had my companies. And one of the biggest questions that we always asked ourselves is you as the business owner, as a CEO, what is the most valuable use of your time today? Mm. If you constantly ask yourself that specific question every day, then you start to realize, you know what? There's probably a lot more qualified people that can work up my social media, graphic design, infographics that I want to post. It's not something I need to do. There's a lot of other people that can go out there and maybe do some editing work for me for whatever other project you've got. Maybe you've got some content writing and you're not a great writer get someone else to write it and you can polish it. If you are a great writer and you really could keep writing. I mean, I enjoy writing. I love creating content. And so for me, that's one of my joys. And so I think figure out what you're really good at and then get other people to do stuff that you either don't like to do or you sort of wish you didn't have to do. That's how you actually start to scale. And the hardest part, Atiba, yes, is writing the check. Your first check to someone else who you're like, yeah, I could do this work myself. I know I could do this work myself, but what you're really doing is you're buying time. So think about what your time costs. I managed through, I call them one-liners, one-liner leadership. And so it's basically a way to encapsulate a thought about leadership into one line. And one of them Mm. is if you are doing all of the work of an assistant, you are the assistant. Okay. So writing that check is okay because it's not an expense. It's actually an investment. So then you take a look at, you know, what is that return on investment I'm getting? So that's how we look at it. Yeah. So number one, love that one liner. If you're doing all of the work of an assistant, you are the assistant. And that I think probably smacks some people in the face. You oh, actually internalize it. It should. When it smacked me in the face, I'm like, oh my God, really? Yeah, I am doing $10 an hour work. And I shouldn't be doing $10 an hour work. You shouldn't you know? be. And so, so I'm never going to be able to scale my business and sell it if that's what I'm doing, is spending my time doing stuff that I think I'm going to go ahead and spend the $500,000, $5,000 a month to hire somebody that can actually do all those things so that I can free up my time to do something that's actually going to scale my business into the millions. So yes. that's what you've got to do. 
Yes, that is so, so key. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the challenge that I'm curious if you've seen this with other business owners is even if they start to intellectually get this, and maybe this is you listening to us right now, you intellectually hear what Raj is saying and he says, okay, yeah, I intellectually get it. And then you follow up with, but they can't do it like me. Nobody right? will do it like you. Nobody will ever be able to do it as just the way you want it, you know, cause it's you, it's perfect based on the way you see things. But what you've got to do is understand where the priorities are. Now, look, if it's servicing your clients and you hire someone else to be like another partner and you build them out, yeah, they better be pretty good at what they're doing because it's your brand out there. But when we're talking about administrative tasks, one of the hardest things to train yourself is to not micromanage and to allow people to have their own creativity. And if it's not just perfect the way you want it to be, is it good enough for what you really need it to be? And so those are some of the things that you really should ask yourself. I think the biggest stumbling block that I see in executives who are just not able to grow their company is because they're micromanagers. It's a hard mm. pill to swallow. It's a hard pill to swallow. Hard to admit that, oh God, yeah, I'm just going to do it because I'm better at it. They're not getting it. Well, first, if you're always feeling that way, it's probably you. If it's only a couple of times that you're feeling that way, maybe you don't have the right person. Maybe they need more training. Maybe they're not a fit for your organization. So you need to coach them either out or bring someone else new, maybe put them into a better role. So those are the kind of things. Those are tough decisions. I built companies from the ground up, started in a spare bedroom, hired my first person, really sweated yeah. about it. Oh my gosh. And there's another thing that a lot of uh, business owners get caught up in, and that is thinking that they have to be the one making the most money in the company. Hmm. You don't, you don't, I'd rather make more money because I've got someone else that I hired who's making more than me, but I'm making more money because I have them on my team. Yes. And it's okay for them to make more money than you. Look, at the end of the day, you've got equity in your company. Your goal is to really have that big exit. At least that's what my goal was, is I wanted to have an exit. And so, yeah, you can drive cash flow, but you'd know, be willing to part with a little bit of that cash flow so that you can actually grow. And by the way, hiring virtual assistants these days is so easy. When I started my company many years ago, that was not so easy to find. No, it wasn't. Yeah, where do you go look for people? And now you've got all these websites where you can go like Upwork and so on. I just hired a couple of virtual assistants, just a, three of them in the last like month just to help out with some basic things that I only need five, 15 hours of work to do in various things. And I just outsource that. It's so much cheaper. I don't have to worry about mm -hmm. payroll headaches, things like that. I just set a project. Here's what you're going to do. And we just check up and it works. It works really well. Yeah. So no, actually if you're struggling with your first hire, that's one of the easiest things to do is just outsource to a virtual assistant, get used to delegating. Cause if you've not done that before, it's a bit of a skill to acquire is delegating. That's how you scale though. That's how you scale. You learn to delegate, use leverage. Oh. That's a great segue and we definitely want to talk about the virtual assistants, but the delegating piece, I want to wrap back around into where you started just now in talking about micromanaging mm. and how does someone overcome themselves as a micromanager and learn that art of delegation and then letting go? That's a tough question to answer 
because it's gonna be different for everybody. The first step is really recognizing if you are a micromanager. I think the biggest challenge is a lot of people don't even know that that's what they're doing. And they may use words like, well, I just want it to be done right. If you've used a word like that, there's a chance that you might be a micromanager. micromanager. Not saying you would, but just saying that there's a chance. Okay, so I don't have time to show you. It's just so much easier for me to do it myself. If that's the case, you are probably actually a micromanager because what's happening is you're not letting go. You're not able to delegate. And so delegating takes time because what you've done is you've introduced a layer of overhead and you're absolutely right in the long run, in terms of time, it's probably faster for you to do it yourself because mm -hmm. you don't have to train anybody. But then now your amount of time shrinks because you're doing all these extra all tasks. Stuff. Yes. And next thing you know, you can't scale because there's one you, you've become the assistant <laughs> doing all those things. And so, yeah, it takes time, it takes overhead. It's not going to happen overnight, but that's one of the big things is understand what someone else can do and hire other people to do those things. I think that is yeah. really, really critical to your growth. I agree with you. It's hard to answer that question. I mean, some people right. get it right away. I've talked to some people and they understand that, hey, if I invest in specific tools, if I outsource this component of my business, I'll give you an example. I personally hate accounting. I hate so strong word. I really do not like accounting. Okay. But I hate accounting. It. Yeah. I hate it. Not my thing. But every business knows you've got to do that. You've got to be on your books. You cannot mess around with that. And so that's something that most people just instinctively think, oh, I'm just going to outsource that bookkeeping or an accountant. That's easy legal stuff, contracts. Most people think, oh, I know I've got to outsource that. Right. And that's where we stop. Everything else we feel like oh, I can take it. I can do it all myself. So that's maybe one thing to just to take a look at deeper inside yourself is, am I only outsourcing my bookkeeping and accounting? Am I only outsourcing my legal? What else can I outsource so that I can spend my valuable time building my brand? getting out there, speaking at conferences, things that are really higher level that only you can do. You can't ask right. for that kind of stuff because yeah. it's your brand. And so when you start working on putting your time into those things, you start to get more business and then you can start to expand. Yes, absolutely. As you were talking, it reminded me of something. I've never been a micromanager. I'm on the opposite end of micromanagement, like very, very far opposite mm -hmm. end. I don't manage enough sometimes, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, I had an opportunity to see Chris Crone speak a while ago, mm -hmm. and he's big in the real estate space. And he said something from stage that was one of those moments that just hit me dead center in the eyes. And you just reminded me of it for helping you who's listening to not micromanage your staff, set a goal to replace yourself in your business every 120 days. That's a nice way to look at it. That's a really nice way to look at it. I've heard versions of that in other ways. And so one of them is figure out a task. Mm -hmm get really good at it, but then document exactly how you do it, document your process. Mm -hmm. Now you've got a process down. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. And then 
train someone else to do it. And you just go around your business doing that for everything. Like you should really try to put yourself out of doing certain things because the more you've got other people working on that are trusted, then you, you really have time to then grow your company. And honestly, yeah. my personal opinion is business owners should really be doing everything to build their brand. Now, if you're looking for financing and everything, that's a different story because that, that you got to do a lot of work to just build that out. And you're the one that needs to be talking to the banks or the venture capitalists or whoever you're going to be talking to. Yeah. But they don't want to hear from anybody but the CEO. But from the other perspective, if you're looking to build your company, it's you. You're the face of your brand. So whether you're comfortable or not speaking to people, practice. Get comfortable, get on Zoom, record yourself, look at how you come across to people. And if you don't like something, then work to change it. Because I got to tell you, the first several times I record myself and I saw myself on Zoom, I'm thinking, Raj, you're so boring. Oh my God. Oh God, Raj, is anybody going to watch this? Oh, no way. So I worked on it. I worked on it. Maybe I'm still boring. I don't know. But I have that thought though. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of self-doubt. I can tell you, I have seen people who are worth hundreds of millions of dollars still mm -hmm. have that they still have yes. that we're all human and so you're not alone you're not alone just get out there get out of your comfort zone start doing stuff that you sort of know you need to do but you kind of put it off because you're like eh, i don't really feel like it and what's really happening is there's a fear monger there's a little demon sitting on your shoulder saying oh i don't want to do it i don't want to do it so you just kind of make up excuses <laughs> as to why you're not doing something but you got to overcome that and just like discipline it's like going to the gym a little painful at first when you get started, but then eventually your muscles get toned up. Yeah. So. And you get used to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And creating a habit. Yeah, exactly. It, it is about creating a habit. That's a very good way of looking at it. All right. I want to merge two things that, that you mentioned. I said, we're going to come back to VAs, but something else that you mentioned just now, I'm merge that one in and that's documentation, mm -hmm. creating SOPs yeah. and getting back to where we started about processes. Right. What's been your strategy in your businesses to do documentation and create SOPs? Okay. So this goes back to something I said earlier is if you look at your company as if you're building your company to sell it mm -hmm. and you look at every single thing that you do, which means every client you take on, every new product line you add, every service line that you add, every hire that you make, every single thing in your business, if it's about I'm building my company to sell it. Then you start to see, okay, standard operating procedure. What's going to be my SOP for this? What's going to be my SOP for that? And it could be as simple as how do I onboard a new client? What mm -hmm. happens when they say yes? Well, you got to send them a contract. How do you follow up to make sure they've signed the contract? Is there a timeline? Are you recording things like sales cycle time, which is like the time from when you started talking to them to the time they close? Okay. And then, okay, what's the onboarding time? What's the onboarding period? Do you have videos? If there's somebody who didn't sign, what do you do to just continuously nurture them? Maybe they talk to you and they're like, oh, we're not ready for it right now, which everybody hears, right? Mm -hmm. And so what are you doing to just stay top of mind so that when they do become sales ready, I would say, then they think of you first. So those are things that you want to just say, okay, here's a process for this. Here's a process for that. Now, I tell you, but here's why you should do this. Even if you're a one person company, when you hire your first employee, you're going to spend a lot of time training them. If you have already, as a single person entity, built documentation around, well, here's how I send my newsletter. I log into this account. This is the template that I have. Here's what I do. You can give them the documentation. So your training manual is effectively built. 
Yes. The other really, really important thing is that when someone buys you, they want to know how you run your business. And if you've got a complete set of documentation that says, this is how we run our business. This is how we do our books. This is how we look at that. When you do that, you are actually more attractive more to that buyer than an identical company that does not have documentation. You could have the same revenue. You could have the same number of employees, but if you have documentation, they actually know, okay, well, this company's got some discipline. They're going to be easier for us to absorb when we write that check to buy them than this other company where we might, we don't know what's behind the curtains. Yeah. That alone. So like, think about it. If you want to sell your company, what would a buyer want? They're going to want to know what your processes are. What are all your standard operating procedures? So those are critical things to start adding, even when you're a one person company. Absolutely. To illustrate your point, if there were two hamburger stands, you might pay $10 to buy this hamburger stand that you've never heard of, and they just flip burgers. You don't know where the meat comes in, but you'll pay $5 million for a McDonald's. And people say, well, of course, you're going to pay $5 million because it's a McDonald's. But the thing is, it's not the McDonald's name that you're actually paying for. It's the system that the name represents. Yeah, collectively, you're getting everything. I mean, you're paying for the brand, right? Because collectively, you get the benefit from all the advertising that your part of your franchise fee is going towards. But at the same time, it's the processes. You get a manual, you get instructions, you get training, you go to a place that they tell you exactly how to set everything up, how to train your employees. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And so I think all those things will play a role as you start to build your small business into something bigger. Absolutely, absolutely. I'll share a quick story if I could here. My first real experience was that was in 2000, 2001, I bought my first franchise. Okay. And it was $100,000 to buy the franchise. Now, $20,000 went to equipment. And they were very clear. The other $80,000 is this book. Mm. And this book is our system. Mm. And you're going to have to come to our university and learn how to run our system and all of our processes and procedures. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that really helped you get established because it's so much easier. Now, the one thing that people might think, I think when I first started my companies, I probably fell into this trap myself. And that is that I don't really need to write all this documentation. It takes so much time. I could be selling. I could be seeing a client or I could be taking a vacation with my family. So what you really want to do though, is as I mentioned, you know, you have a business when you can come back from vacation and still have, a, still business, have a business, right? <laughs> when you have processes, you actually can really ramp up people a lot faster. I've sold a few companies. And I can tell you the process of selling a company is it's like pulling a tooth out, man. It's hard. It is the due diligence questions from a savvy buyer are designed to expose every skeleton mm -hmm. in your business's closet. And they make you go through like reams of spreadsheets to fill out like all kinds of calculations. One of the biggest questions, and I say this a lot on my LinkedIn, if people are interested, follow my LinkedIn. I post almost every day with like business tips. And so one of them is the question you're going to get asked is how much revenue do you get from your top 10 customers? Mm. I'm not going to say it's a trick question, but it's a really interesting question because of the way you answer it. Some people might just think, oh, well, 
we get 40% of our revenue from our top 10 customers. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. You may get 40% of your revenue, but if you do not add to that a description of why there is low risk to these customers once they get, you get acquired, that's really what they're trying to figure out. The real thing they're asking you is if you lost, they're not going to say it this way. <laughs> they're just going to say how much revenue comes from your top 10 customers. If you lost one or more of your top 10 customers, how much less revenue will we have after we buy you? Because they know that not every customer of yours is going to become a customer of theirs when they transition. So in their valuation formula, they'll come up with a number. It's called a discount. They're going to put a discount of, I don't know, whatever, 80% maybe of their clients will actually transfer over. Maybe it's more. I don't know what the right answer. It's going to be different for everybody. Sure. That's what they want to find out. What is the risk if we bought your business? So every question you get asked, and there are reams and reams of just questions that you have to answer. And you have to keep thinking, what are they trying to do? They're trying to figure out how risky your business is. So when you document stuff, even like I said, even if you're that one person company, you look so much better than every other company that is identical right. to yours. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. It's big. It's huge. It's absolutely, absolutely huge. And you guys know because you've heard me talk about documentation and SOPs. And I beat that drum hard here on this channel because it is super important. You don't have to create everything on your own most of the time. You literally just Google some stuff and just people have written articles about, hey, here's the best way to do this. Here's the best way to do that. Yep. But then there's just stuff like, okay, well, how do you collect money from a customer who's paying late? I mean, that's an operating procedure. What do you do? How long do you let them slide? Do you have an automated invoice reminder that goes out? Then at what point do you call? It's just little things. There's just so many little things. So we did it all. We did all of ours in a wiki online and we just had a private system okay. where you just go online, you just create documents and we would just have, here's our marketing process. Here's how we create ads. Here's how we post our new content on our website. Here's what we do when we get a lead from the website. Here's the standard procedure. We send this, we send that. So we document it all. Now that's always changing the, the lead generation things. Mm -hmm. What we'll do is just put down, okay, we've got an account on whatever system you're using, product you're using, I don't know, HubSpot, Aweber. I, I use a Aweber, they seem fine. And I refer to that and I've got all my stuff in there, but you just need to have a way that your buyer can know how to do it. Even yes. if you're not gonna sell for five years, start doing it now. Yeah. Because it also shows the track record. It wasn't just something that you whipped up last night so you can impress me today. Like it's been around. And, um, yeah. And you know, the interesting yeah. about five years, I actually said that for a reason because everybody feels like, okay, five years is enough far out. They don't have to think about it today. <laughs> it's like one of those things that, okay, five years out, I want to do something five years out. But I guarantee you, if you talk to somebody in four years, it's still the number is five, five years out. Right. So this perpetual five years out. So what you really want to do is start putting some stakes in the ground and annual checks. And I put them on my calendar, actually annual mm. checks about what, okay, let's revisit our business plan. I wanted to be at this level by November of this year. Am I there? And if not, what do I need to plan for in 2023? That's going to get me to that next level. Yes. So you've got to really be thinking about this all the time. This is the stuff that you're working on your business. You're not just busy, like right. in it. Yes. Yeah. You got to be like thinking about, okay, I'm going to turn 
30, 40, 50, 60, whatever age you're going to turn because everybody wants to sell their business when they have a birthday that ends in a zero. I don't know why. That's just like a big thing. Sometimes it ends in a five. Most of the time it's, I want to sell my business by a birthday that ends in a zero. So if that's your timeline too, then start putting metrics together to just say, well, if I need to sell it, I'm going to need this much money to retire if I'm going to retire. And mm -hmm. so what do I need to do to grow the business to that stage? There's another thing that people get like it's caught up in is that I need to sell it for a huge amount of money. You actually don't. What you can do is build multiple companies and you don't have to have a 10 million, $50 million sale. You can actually sell for a small amount of money and then build something else. As long as it's not competitive, you're going to have to sign non-compete agreements, but that's another strategy to do stuff. I've enjoyed yeah. building many different companies. That's been good for my mental state of mind. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. I want to ask you this as we're nearing our end here together. Mm -hmm. What are you doing now? The second part of that would be how do people reach you? Well, I run a site called morebusiness.com and created this tons of content for business owners to get started. For example, if you're looking for a sample business plan, we have lots of sample business plans available online or free. There's no cost to download any of these sample plans. In fact, I recently wrote a life coaching business plan. It's one of the top business plans on the internet for life coaching. A lot of people download it every day, but I've got stuff for manufacturing, for building a clothing shop, a pizza shop, like all kinds of businesses, service businesses as well. So yeah, just go to morebusiness.com and you can download those plans. Same thing with a marketing plan example. And my goal, my personal goal is really to help 250 entrepreneurs become millionaires within five years of starting their company. And wow. even if you started your company six years ago and you're not quite there yet, the site is designed to help you get there. Wow. Almost all the material there is available for free. There are some training classes that I'll be putting out there very soon, actually, that are very low cost to help people accelerate their processes pretty quickly. But at the end of the day, most of the material is just there. And so you can use it to grow and get your business going. So that's my mission. I really want to help people. I guess you could say pay it forward. I want to yeah. help people grow. They can reach me on LinkedIn, by the way. So you just type in my name in Google, just put in Raj Kara. I'll be the first thing that pops up on Google. You can just click on LinkedIn and you can just follow from there. So absolutely do that. Go to Google, type in Raj Kara, K-H-E-R-A, follow him on LinkedIn. And more importantly, did y'all hear this? He has free resources for you and he's trying to help 250 of you right now so make sure you connect with my buddy raj, raj right, thank you. you so much for being here i appreciated our time it was such a great chat it's so great to see and to be around people who are willing to give back to those who are in an earlier stage of their journey so i commend you my friend for <laughs> thank that. you very much i think it's really important to just Hold the door open behind you for everybody who's following you. And then I just hope that people will just do that going forward too. As I'd mentioned, as you and I were preparing for this call, we all got to breathe the same air. We got to live on the same planet. Let's share your knowledge, spread the love. Yes. All right. Yes, yes, yes. That's his line, guys. Share the knowledge, share the love. Yeah. Share the knowledge, share the love. And so I love it. All Thank right. You, Rob. Good to talk to you, Tiba. We'll connect some other time. Take care. Yes, sir. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.